Good afternoon, my friends. Happy Wednesday. The doctor is in the house. Welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G. Hey, I tell you what, we've been talking about it all week. Endometriosis Awareness Month. Be part of this movement. I'm so excited. We're back here. The health revolution continues with an all-new episode today. So you're joining me live here at Intellectual Radio Studios. You're watching us on Facebook Live as well, too. My name is Dr. Mark Gomez. I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician practicing out of Edward Hospital. I'm also a member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. We are back here today breaking down a celebration. Right now, this month of March, Endometriosis Awareness Month. We're talking about really what we can do today, the opportunity that's in front of our face to allow for access and equity in a condition that affects nearly 200 million women worldwide. One in 10 women in this country, in the USA, being affected. And not only affecting the women themselves, but having a lasting impact on their families as well. We're all about setting the record straight here on Two with Dr. G, all about providing opportunity access and equity. At the end of the day, when you have good health, you're going to have more opportunity for success in your life. And that's really one of the things that we do here. And again, check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. But one of the things that we always talk about on this show, and you guys have been joining us for this revolution for now, for now 81 episodes of this show. We want to talk about, again, the things that you can do. This show has always been about you opportunities that are out there and making sure that you have what it takes to live your best life. Endometriosis. A lot of you may have heard that condition before. We're going to break it down for you today. Again, part of this movement, but a worldwide movement right now. We're all wearing yellow ribbons and I encourage you to support your local endometriosis organization, whether it's on Facebook, whether at the national level or even at the international level. So many countries across the globe right now are embracing this opportunity to, for education and awareness and treatment for women all over the world. We have to do our fair share. And I tell you what, it's like when you're part of something bigger than yourself, you just get this amazing gratitude. You know, we're always about trying to serve and we want to serve people, we want to do right by people. When it comes to your health and wellness, as physicians, and certainly as a physician myself, I want to do right by people. And so we have to talk about these topics. Now, I don't want this conversation to die down today because it is Endometriosis Awareness Month. We want to make sure that this conversation happens on a daily basis. The best thing that you can do is like and share. We're going to break it down for you today. We're going to talk about endometriosis. We're going to keep it very, very simple. We're going to talk about, talk about um, is it true? We're going to talk about fact and fiction, myths versus facts. We're going to talk about some lifestyle approaches, but really the opportunity at hand to understand this kind of complex condition but not saying that we have to stand in the face of failure, but we want to make sure that people are aware of this condition because statistically, you're like, we're talking about our mothers, our wives, our sisters, our daughters, and their families that can be co completely impacted by this condition. Again, I'm so excited to welcome everybody back to another episode of TRF with Dr. G. You know, before we get into this a little bit, you're going to meet my guest because she's amazing. She's been on the show before. You'll be here in a few moments. But I want to take this time to read you a quick disclaimer. The content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. So again, we're here today with an opportunity to talk about something that needs to be talked about. And I'm so excited to dedicate the show this week uh, on this topic 
to really have a forum for this engagement. Uh, and some of the best ways to get this kind of topic out there is to have that granular conversation, but keeping it straightforward about that. And I think that's one of the things, you know, right now we're being, there's a lot of things that are dominating the, the public ways right now. Not everybody's talking about endometriosis, but I want them to. Uh, people are obviously talking about coronavirus, and that show's going to be coming up on April 8th here on TOF with Dr. G. But we have to talk about these other topics that still affect millions and millions of people. Otherwise, we cannot move the needle in success and treatment. So we're going to talk more about it. I just cannot wait. So what I want to do is I want to introduce my great friend and colleague. Yes, yes, yes. Three yeses. Why not? She's got the yellow ribbon on, too. Get the swag going on. Um, uh, I want to read you her credentials, Dr. Kim Dare, but I want to read read her credentials real quick because it's important. She's just an amazing friend and colleague. She's been on To Your Health with Dr. G in the past. She was on my show that I did last year called Paging the OBGYN. Check it out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. You can also check it out on my YouTube channel at To Your Health DRG. You can check it on all other forms of podcasting and all these apps that we're on. It's great. So I want to read, read you the credentials of my great friend and colleague, Dr. Kim Dare. So Dr. Kimberly Dairy, MD. F-A-C-O-G. She's a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist. She's medical director of obstetrics at Elmhurst Hospital. She's part of Edward Elmhurst Health. Check her out, www.eehealth.org. Dr. Derry, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, I'm again. so excited to have you here and everything. And you know, when I, when I thought about this thing, I, I kid you not, this is a true story. I did not know it was Endometriosis Awareness Month when you and I talked, and I was like, I was like, Dr. Kim, you got to come on my show again. I had no idea, but this is just like the, a higher power at work <laughs> that we're here today, and it lines up that this is Endometriosis Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. It's so crazy how it worked out that way. Perfect. But, but, but such an opportunity to talk about a topic that I know you're very passionate about mm -hmm. because you've treated so many women and, by extension, their family members, too, with this diagnosis. So um, before we get into some of this a little bit, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you do your medical school? Where did you do your residency training? And maybe a few opening remarks about this topic today. Okay. Uh, so I trained at uh, Chicago Medical School, which is now called uh, Rosalind Franklin uh, University. Um, and I uh, did my residency at St. Joseph Hospital uh, on the Lakeshore of Chicago. Um, and I am board certified in OB-GYNE, and I have been in practice since uh, 2008. And I'm excited about uh, so many topics when it comes to women's health, and specifically endometriosis. Um, I am uh, not only uh, obstetrician, but also gynecology. What I love is when I hear so many stories and myths about endometriosis. So I'm so glad that you got, got in touch with me, and I'm really excited to talk about endometriosis and, and, and dispel some of the myths. Well, let's do it, because why not? So when people come, so you just met Dr. Derry, who is hashtag fierce. And by the way, it's true. <laughs> and also hashtag endometriosis. Hashtag that out. Share it on all social media platforms. This is how we keep the conversation going on keep the engagement factor at a high level. So you just met Dr. Derry, and I'm just so happy to have her back on my show. We're going to break this down. Um, what I want to do is, is really kind of get into this. We're going to keep it straightforward. We want people to take this thing, take this information. Again, as my pastor says, smart people take notes. Now, I don't have a pen on me, but I've got some notes that are prepared right here and everything. But I want you guys to go ahead and write down these things. I mean, the things that we're talking about today, you know, Dr. Derry and I don't want just the information to be stuck in our heads. We want you all out there to, to take notes 
and hopefully apply the information and talk to your physician. The best thing that you guys can do, again, is to continue to keep this engagement factor going on. I know my patients, when, I, when they see me in my practice, I certainly ask them to write things down. Um, you know, I don't mind. You know, some doctors may mind because mm -hmm. we get a list of things, but I don't mind at all. At the end of the day, we're here to provide a service for you out there. So when people come into our office, mm -hmm. we call it the chief complaint. Mm -hmm. And so the chief complaint today, a.k.a. the question of the hour is, what is endometriosis? How is it diagnosed? And what treatment methods exist to help women with this condition thrive? That's like a three-in-one question. It's not really a question hour. Questions of the hour. But, but really, we're talking about the opportunity out there on living with endometriosis in there. But we have to do a little bit of background stuff just to paint the, paint the floor. So, uh, so let me ask you this. Dr. Dr. Derry, just in simple terms, what is endometriosis? Endometriosis is it's a complex disease. Um, it uh, has a chronic pain component to it, uh, where women have a lot of chronic pain. But primarily what happens is the tissue in your uterus, which if you think about the menstrual cycle and the tissue that bleeds every month, unfortunately some of that tissue has migrated outside of the uterus and has scattered in different parts of your pelvis. It can even be on the bowels of the bladder, uh, and so it can cause significant pain uh, and discomfort to women, bloating, nausea. Um, a lot of times it's associated with the periods, but it can also occur outside the periods. So it's a complex disease because there's not like one little test to just find it out without doing any type of invasive types of procedures. What I hear a lot in practice is that every, you know, if you have painful periods, oh, you have endometriosis. Yeah, just and label so, you right away. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, it is more complex than that. And so um, the, the next question is, how is it diagnosed? Um, most of the time it's diagnosed clinically. What does that mean? That really just means that you have some symptoms, a doctor's trying to put it all together, and at the end of the day, they just want to try to improve your symptoms and help you live better. Um, but the real diagnosis is actually a surgery, where you actually would have to go through a surgery to really look inside the, the, uh, your body and look at the pelvis and actually find those areas that are causing that significant pain and maybe even scar tissue, which may be causing you uh, a lot of discomfort. Some women daily, some women during the periods. So that's kind of where we, the, 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 the kind of basic nuts and bolts of what it is. So thank you for breaking that down, and I, and I, and I just love how Dr. Derry broke that down again. Essentially, as she says, there are these, there, there are these, there's these endometrial implants. You have this extra tissue, and, and a lot of times when I tell people that, and I'm as a primary care physician, I go, yeah, this may be the diagnosis. By the way, you might be having some extra endometrial tissue outside of your uterus. Uh, and then at the end of that point, I pass it on to OBGYN doctor. I'm like, let's talk about something else. Find out. No, I'm just joking. But no, we want to make sure that people understand the concept that that literally you have tissue that's grown outside of normal location, like uterus. And as you said, you know, you mentioned that it could go to your bowels or your bladder. Uh, a lot of it stays on the outside. For what I understand, a lot of it stays kind of on the outer aspect of the reproductive organs of women but it can cause significant symptoms. Yes. Uh, why don't we break down some of the, just the quick symptoms that are out there that, that women may experience um, for this diagnosis? Sure. So uh, once again, chronic uh, pelvic pain, uh, which is the number one um, a symptom that we see. And most of the time it's cyclic, which means it happens around your menstrual cycle, but a lot of women have pain throughout the month and, and it's not really related to the periods. Uh, the second, um, most important thing is uh, some women have infertility. Um, 
this diagnosis, most women are diagnosed in their 30s or 40s. It's not a disease that we normally um, label someone in their early years because young women, young girls have a lot of painful periods. But um, when you get to about the 30, 40 year age, start wanting to start a family, start to incur some problems with infertility. Up to about 40% of women with endometriosis can have fertility issues. So it, and so a lot of times it's found out in that capacity. Um, sometimes there may be a, a cyst that's on your ovary that's causing significant pain. You go to the hospital or the doctor, you get some um, ultrasounds, and they notice that there's some a large cyst there. But it's a different type of cyst than the normal ones we see, um, like with menstrual cycles. This one actually has some um, component that what we call an endometrioma. And so those are a little bit different. They don't go away like the other types of cysts, and those normally have to be removed. So if you are a younger woman that got diagnosed with endometriosis, it could be that you had a cyst and had the surgery, and they were able to see that you had endometriosis. A lot of women are bloated, like unusually bloated. Um, they get nauseated, you know, they're really sick, like, you know, it interferes with your daily lifestyle. You can't even go to work or go, you know, go to college, go to class because you're doubled over in pain. That's not a normal cycle, you know. So, and, and then overwhelmingly sometimes the pain medications aren't working. And so uh, that's when women start feeling like they need to seek out some care because yes. uh, now this is interfering with daily activities. They can't go anywhere. They know that when they're in a period, they they better they can't go anywhere because they're just doubled over in pain. We're talking about how things can certainly impact their life. And when I think about pain, I think about it in two ways. Number one, the physical pain you have, but then number two, uh, the, the effect of pain on other important things in your life, mm -hmm. uh, the emotional toll, the physical toll, the mental toll. You know, you mentioned how, you know, sometimes you might, have to, you might not be able to go to class or you might be missing work uh, or, or I'm just taking that to the next level, or you might be missing work or missing opportunities to hang out with your friends and your family mm -hmm. and that can strain. Maybe you're, maybe you're married and that can strain your relationship a little bit because maybe you want to go out with your spouse mm -hmm. and do something, but you can't because of this. And so we're gonna. I want to talk. I want to come back to that in a little bit on what are some things that we can do to hopefully help plan ahead if we can try to get an upper hand on this. But I love how you broke down those symptoms. And and I, you know, I will say you know certainly as a primary care doc, you know I might see the chronic pelvic pain, and that's always in the list of my differential diagnosis on things. Uh, but um, you know, there's so many things that can cause chronic pelvic pain, uh, or certainly uh, abnormal bleeding or things like that. And so, but it's important that you're out there, if you start having these symptoms, and certainly if they're persistent, and as Dr. Derry said, if they're cyclical, certainly around your menstrual cycle, that's got to be worked up. And certainly if it's interfering with your quality of life and your ability to function and, and do whatever you gotta do, that's another sign that says, I should talk about this more with my doc. Let's talk about this a little bit, because essentially as you mentioned, like women that might be diagnosed a little bit later, do we know why there's such a delay in the diagnosis? Well, because um, once again, um, most women accept a certain amount of pain every month. <laughs> most Fair women enough. have cramps when they're when they're having their menstrual cycles, and so as a young woman, you start getting used to that kind of pain. So then you don't really think that this pain is abnormal because you, that's all you know. But what ends up happening, and a lot of women as they progress in life and they get older, they start realizing that hey. Now intercourse is very painful. That's not normal. Or because maybe some scar tissue is now built up over the years. And so now they're starting to see other symptoms that are just really tipping them over the edge 
and they're realizing, okay, I'm used to some bad cramps, but this is not normal. Or a lot of young girls get, uh, young women get on birth control pills early in life, and so their, their periods are very mild, but now they want to get pregnant. So they might get off of pills or get off of hormones, and then all of a sudden they're faced with this horrendous pain and very heavy periods, and it's just so out of the ordinary. And so that's another reason why they are seeking care. Do you see at all, Dr. Derry, anything with um, family history? Are there any risks associated with that? Or are there risks associated with, like, body mass index, whether it's over, obese, or maybe too thin? Do you see anything like those kind of things, family history, other kind of lifestyle risks? It is totally um, can run in families, uh, familial, actually, and, and actually, um, you know, twins is they they did some study on twins actually, okay. <laughs> and they found that twins also uh, seem to have the same symptoms. They both get endometriosis. So um, definitely, if that is a trend in your family, a lot of women don't talk about it. Like you might find out that everyone in your family had hysterectomies at thirty years old. Like why is that happening? Mm -hmm. You know, and you find out that they might have had a component of of, of endometriosis. So, but it is something that happens uh, in families. It does travel that way. Um, and that's why endometriosis, just learning about how you get it, is pretty complex. There are about three major theories out there, but they're all uh, controversial. Right, yeah. But uh, what, we, what, we, what we do know is that our goals when we have a patient with endometriosis is to try to improve the quality of life. Amen. Yeah. And, you know, I'm all about quality of life, and I talk about it to a lot of my patients in my practice. And, and you know, I always say as a physician, you know, I'm going to try to fight for you tooth and nail. I may not have all the answers. I got a lot on my brain, by the way. That's a good thing, though. Got a lot on my brain. But um, but I want to get people and lead them down the right pathway. Can we just make something better? Certainly, if they've been suffering for a chronic period of time, can we make them 50% better, 70% better, even 10% better? But I want people to live their life to the best of their ability. And we all know, shucks, I mean, we all know that uh, uh, we get some disease. We try to prevent as much as we can. Most of us are risk-averse when it comes to our health. We don't want to get into risky situations. So I do truly believe that people that show up that are engaged in our offices, they want to uh, have some solutions. Uh, but, but by the way, I'll say this. Don't show up too late. Uh, we want people to show up early in the process. The reality is that you know we live in a disease model. We want people to come in when they're feeling well. That's why I always talk about getting your annual physical, and at that time, and certainly your other well-being checks with your with your physician, because at that time we may be able to elicit certain kind of symptoms that are going on that you may have not wanted to bring up, but maybe the doctor might bring it up. Or at that time, certainly if you're a patient of mine, I certainly allow that time to say, well, what else is on your mind today? And I want you to be comfortable doing that. So let me ask you this, Dr. Derry. Uh, one other question related to just kind of the general endometriosis. You know, when, when, when women see you in your practice, how far along, or like in your, your years of practice, how far along are they in this process where you're like, oh, wow, I wish you would have seen me sooner? Do you, yeah. do you ever get those kind of thoughts going in your mind? Um, a lot of times um, I get two types. I, I get like teenagers and where the mom comes in and says, I think she has endometriosis. She's got bad cramps, you know, and it's like, okay, well, let's, you know, she's had like two periods in her whole life. So, you know, so that's kind of like the extreme end. Mm -hmm. But the more common thing I get actually are women that are worried about fertility. They might have been told early in life that they have endometriosis, never really got like a full diagnosis, and so they're now married and ready to start a family and they're worried about it. So they want to know, hey, before I start this journey of, of, of trying to have a baby, do, do I 
what do I need to do to find out if I have a problem? Gotcha. And so, yeah, so I kind of see like the two ends of the spectrum there. Well, let's talk a little bit about just, you know, the important thing, and I, and I love what you said, doesn't matter, you know, going back to the possible explanations on why endometriosis happens. You know, the reality is the goals are still the same. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, identify, diagnose, and treat women as early as possible mm -hmm. to give them the best chance at quality of life and restoration of life as well, too. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about some just, just general surface level stuff, but what are the different techniques that you have in, in your tool belt to help women out um, after you confirm this diagnosis? Mm -hmm. So, um, if the patient, so if you have uh, the symptoms that lean towards um, endometriosis, and and um, you have someone who is in a situation where they're like, "Look, something's got to give. Like, I'm not able to function." Um, because it is an inflammatory reaction, that's what's happening. All of yes. this, your, your, you know, the, your, your organs are inflamed from this extra tissue that's in kind of, if you will, in the wrong place, and it's causing inflammatory reactions. That uh, the first line therapy is NSAIDs or okay. like, you know, ibuprofen uh, to really check because they are anti-inflammatories. And so using that with, you know, higher doses than the normal over-the-counter doses um, and just try to get ahead of the pain. Um, because most women know when it's going to happen. They, 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 like, they can bank on it, you know. Um, so that's the first thing is to, to uh, uh, non-steroidal um, medications, which really help with inflammation. Hormonal treatment does work. How this endometriosis is fed by estrogen. And uh, by giving, for instance, like birth control pills, it really helps to counteract that extra estrogen, which is causing more of that inflammatory reaction. Now, I know a lot of people are, can be opposed just emotionally about hormone therapy, but I will tell you that those that finally get to, you know, the point where they break, break, they're broken down and they're like, look, I'll try anything, and they're like, oh my God, I've wasted like three years of my life, uh, and I wish that yeah, I could just, yeah. you know, get cooled off. Um, and then there's a way where we can actually continue the medication so that you actually don't get periods, which is safe when you do it with hormone therapy. And what's great about that is it kind of cools your body off. And actually, um, sometimes they actually see some improvement in scar tissue for people that they, that they may uh, have, have had surgery before and after, and they do see some improvements there. Well, I love how you're doing I love how, first of all, we're breaking down some of the different therapies that are out there, and I like how some of these medical approaches, you know, just starting with a simple anti-inflammatory, but at a higher dose, but I like how you've layered on top some of the other treatments that are out there, and I think this is important for people to know. Um, you know, you can only suffer with this condition for so long before you gotta take action, and we're all about taking action instead of staying perpetually inactive in our health and well-beings. Again, every day we have, we have a choice. We, we're blessed to have choices. We wake up, have a breathe fresh air, have some gratitude, positive mental attitude and gratitude, and say, listen, the choices that we make in our lives, the daily choices that you have out there matter more than most of us think. And so when we have that kind of realization, we can actually say, okay, now I want to do something to be intentional, mm -hmm. and I'm going to go and listen to my body, and my body says, hey, i got to get this checked out. And so I love how there's some options out there where people don't have to continually suffer from this condition. Uh, so uh, when you, let me ask you this. So when you put women on birth control or other kind of hormones, is it, is it kind of, does it depend on the person on how fast they might get a response? Um, but, but, but most of the time, I mean, do you see most of the time you're able to get some sort of a good response, or at least a positive response on people? Yeah, the, the, per the percentage of, of people that, that respond to that, 
is is very high. They they have a, a most of the time they have a better quality of life. There's another type of hormone that's not like birth control that work actually extremely well to help with not only pain but to decrease the scar tissue. But that those medications are so strong they do have some other so side effects. So there's a newer medication that's on the market out that has that they are marketing that have less side effects, but they still can have like hot flashes and um, you know like you can have like your your bones can start to get a little brittle. Yeah. Uh, so and that's more like long term use. But in that short term, where sometimes you might want to use something that will cool your body off for like six months or three months or six months to just cool things down, and overwhelmingly it works really well. Now, there is a surgical treatment as well. Yes, please, let's get into yeah. some of that. So, so what are the uh, options out there? <laughs> <laughs> so we have what's called a laparoscopy, which basically means that a camera is put inside the, the, um, the, the abdomen, and we look around. We actually find the little implants and remove them. They can be burned off or they can be removed with uh, instruments. Um, and we use that for really severe disease um, or someone who just has uh, failed medical treatment. And they just, uh, a lot of times also for even infertility patients, when they, they go in just to look around and they actually find that the ovaries and tubes are buried in scar tissue and that might be the source of their infertility. So there are a lot of ways now surgery gets a little tricky because uh, scar tissue can build up after the surgery as well. So surgery plus some medical treatment together can work really well for those that might need to have some scar tissue removed. Um, it's not for everyone, but it is for those that have failed other treatments and it's like last resort. Um, because let's face it, once um, someone has surgery, there's always that risk of them getting more scar tissue after the surgery. Oh, well, thank you for breaking down the different options that are out there. And really, for those of you that are out there listening to the show, again, it's critically important to talk with your medical doctor. Um, you can start out with your primary care physician, which is great, but certainly, I know for me, uh, I get people right over to, I, I have my limits. I, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, we, we, know, we all know, Dr. Deere and I can joke around this a little bit. We know uh, a lot of doctors that may have too much of an ego and may not, may not um, admit when they are tapped out on what they can do. Um, you don't have to worry about that with me, uh, which is a great thing. No, but seriously, no, I know when I say, like, listen, I might try, try that first level intervention, but I know if, that, if this is the, if this world going down this pathway, you know you're going to need to see a specialist. So I got no shame in saying, listen, I want you to be treated because I want you to be better faster. And if there's a way I can do it, I want to do it. I also want to mention, too, because um, because a lot of young, young, um, young, young adults, I would say, um, are teenagers that may also have problems. The parents don't know what to do. The, the girl can't get out of bed and go to school. I mean, are, are there cases of endometriosis in the teenage years? Yes, there are. Uh, but when we talk about you know doing surgery on young women, that starts to get a little tricky. There are uh, specialists out there that ha are specially boarded in pediatric gynecology, um, and they actually um, have some other techniques that they work with teenagers. There may be a, a parent that may not want their child on hormones, for instance. So there are some other uh, treatment alternatives for those young, younger girls, you know, 14, 15 year olds, where you know they don't really necessarily fit that older um, woman model, but they do have these unremitting, you know, periods and and pelvic pain that is out of proportion to a normal. Uh, woman with uh, with menstrual cycles. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Dr. Derry. So you're joining us here live. We're here at Intellectual Radio Studios. You're watching us on Facebook. We've been having this great conversation about endometriosis again. Support endometriosis. 
Awareness Month. Get that yellow ribbon, without a doubt. Uh, hashtag swag, without a doubt. Uh, hashtag swag, hashtag endometriosis, as we said. Uh, but, but, but it's important to know, you know, we're talking about, talking about the opportunity that's there. You know, I want to go back to what we talked about a little bit earlier about the coping and living with this. Because there are, there are literally, I said the number's insane. It's nearly 200 million women worldwide that are living with endometriosis. And statistically, 1 in 10 women in this country, in the USA, will have this diagnosis. So we've got to talk about the opportunities that are there. So how do you live with this? How do you cope with it? Uh, I mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, pain. You know, there's, there's two ways to kind of deal with pain or think about pain. Of course, the physical pain you have the symptoms of this diagnosis that certainly have a lot of pain, and then the way that that pain impacts your, your way of life. Um, so I think about as a, as a hashtag lifestyle medicine physician, I like doing the hashtags too much, <laughs> Donna, today. Uh, so as a hashtag lifestyle medicine physician, I was talking about things that we can do. Um, you know, just basic stuff of the rules of the hashtag lifestyle medicine physician. Number one, get some sleep. We say sleep eight to nine hours a night if you can. We, we, we live in a society where we don't get enough sleep. Um, meditate, practice mindfulness, yoga, eat a healthy, balanced diet, snack on healthy foods. You know, things like that control our stressors. Exercise, these are things that can kind of help the body out. They have just this euphoric effect, this cumulative effect on the body's functioning. It may help to minimize some of the burden of the symptoms that you have. And certainly, again, the symptoms, yes, we're going to be talking about medication treatment or even surgical approaches that Dr. Dr. Darius talked about, but there's still a lifestyle component on how to best cope with this. But again, it's critically important that we follow uh, healthy behaviors, mm-hmm. uh, not only for this diagnosis, but for a lot of diagnoses, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I do want to mention also um, that they, there's like pelvic, um, pelvic uh, physical therapy that's out there for women that have a lot of pelvic discomfort. Um, there, there's, once again, a lot of other like holistic treatments that people like to approach um, that can also help women when it comes to fertility, which is a whole other caveat because it is a huge problem for a lot of women. Um, you know, some of them may have to go through in vitro, for instance, okay. uh, just to have a baby. But they found excellent success with uh, artificial, you, you know, uh, reproductive services. So there are a lot of other ways to get around that disease to still allow you to have the life that you want. And I agree with the mind, mind, body, and soul yes. all are yes. all connected. And part of, and one of the problems that we see with a lot of women that have endometriosis is sort of the mental part where they are emotionally drained from just being beat up every month. And so if we can help with mindfulness, with meditation, have yoga, you know, loosen up uh, your ligaments, you know, things like that in your pelvis, those things are helpful. Some women really benefit from pelvic uh, floor um, physical therapy. It does work for a lot of women. And then sometimes when you feel like that is one part of your life you can actually control, that you can actually try to treat on your own. Maybe it's not pills. You know, we really try to steer away from opioids. We are not trying to treat this kind of chronic disease with opiates. We've seen so many women actually hooked on opioids just from having endometriosis, which is really not the answer. Agreed. You know, so that's another thing that we want to work with more holistic approaches and try to have women not only accept where they are, there are so many organizations for endometriosis that have like wonderful support systems so that you know that you're not by yourself. And then if, especially if you are, you know, trying to work this out in a more holistic way, there are so many um, avenues for you to get support on that as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Dr. Kim, Dr. Kim Derry for breaking that down for us. So I want to get into something that I, that I, 
relatively recently introduced on TRL.G. We're still going to get to the myths versus facts. That happens every week, that's a promise. But I want to keep breaking this down to some simple terms. So I have something called, is it true that... <laughs> dot, dot, dot. So we're going to do it this week. Is it true that the endometriosis thing? Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a statement. And I might participate in this a little bit. We'll see. I'm going to give myself the easy ones and give Dr. Derry the hard ones. But, you know, I, I'm, feel, I'm feeling okay today. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling like loose and everything. We're having a good conversation. <laughs> Dr. Derry, you and I, because we've known each other forever and ever and ever. Uh, so, so here we go. Is it true that, all right, here we go, Dr. Derry, is it true that wearing tampons causes endometriosis? That would be false. No. <laughs> uh, please explain. <laughs> Um, once again, so some of the old school, uh, old wives tales that um, when, when tampons were introduced, a lot of mothers were freaked out about it. Their daughters had very heavy, painful periods, and they said, see, it's those darn tampons that <laughs> cause you to have endometriosis. So, very much false. Wonderful. Here we go. <laughs> I think I'm going to take this one. I've got an easy one here. This means it's like, it's like a grab bag of questions, frequently asked questions. Love it. Here we go. Here's a statement. Is it true that endometriosis is caused by an infection, like an STD, which can be treated by antibiotics? Absolutely false. That is not true. Uh, there are various possible explanations that are going on around there about the uh, about the about what's happening in endometriosis and why those endometrial cells uh, become uh, grow outside of the uterus. But there is not it is not caused by an infection. You know, it's SCD. Uh, these things this happens, and we're still trying to understand why this happens. But definitely not SCD related. All right, here we go, Dr. Kim Derry. Is it true that? Heavy bleeding means you have endometriosis? Yeah, so once again, I, I, you know, it saddens me when so many women have come and said, oh yeah, I was told when I was 15 because I had heavy periods that I have endometriosis. Yeah, and like, yeah, and so they're just labeled very early in age. And part of it could be that maybe that helplessness of that provider that may not be equipped to deal with that at a 15-year-old, like maybe a pediatrician or so, but either way, uh, that is not true. Um, mo a lot of women have heavy periods. Overwhelmingly, it may be just a little hormonal imbalance, which is causing your body, which can be like a faucet when your period's on, and that faucet should shut off, but that faucet is just on, on overdrive, and, and some of that is just maybe related to uh, hormonal imbalances. Wonderful, thank you, Dr. Derry. Here we go, I like this one. This, I'll take this one. No, 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 I'm giving myself the live ones. Yeah, I got to give myself the easy It's my show. I got to do what I got to do. All right. I still know what I'm talking about, y'all. All right, here we go. Uh, is it true that psychological trauma in early life can cause endometriosis? That is absolutely false. Uh, well, I'll tell you this. Well, endometriosis historically have been labeled as an invisible disease, almost kind of like if you can't see it, then it's not there. And that is absolutely false. Endometriosis is real. It is not related to psychological trauma at all. There's true pathology that's going on that allows for these implants of these endometrial cells to grow outside of the uterus itself. So that is false. Here we go. Dr. Derry, is it true that pregnancy is a cure for endometriosis? Hmm. Well, what I will tell you is it is not a cure. However, most endometriosis lies dormant during pregnancy. Okay. okay? So um, I, I've had plenty of patients that I've actually done surgery on that horrible endometriosis. They may have had a cesarean section with a baby, and I'm like, where, where is, you know, what happened to all that disease? 
Sometimes it does. It, it doesn't cure it okay. because your body may start creating uh, those implants again. But during during pregnancy, because you aren't having cycles, it it can it does cool off. Wonderful. Uh, pregnant women don't get like the chronic pelvic pain in pregnancy. Wonderful. Thanks for clarifying mm -hmm. that one. I'll take this next one. I like this. We're having some fun here. <laughs> All right. Is it true that? Hormonal treatments do not cure endometriosis. So Dr. Derry talked about it earlier. There are some great options that are out there to help mitigate and minimize some of the symptom burden. So that's an, a decision that you'll have to make out there with your physician uh, for the options on the table. But uh, there are some great options that are out there to help women restore their lives and a quality of living. There we go. I like this next one. Here we go. Dr. Dr. Kim Derry, I got a couple more of these. Mm -hmm. I like it. Here we go. Is it true that uh, affected women with endometriosis are at a higher risk than the general female population for developing ovarian cancer. Mm. What do we know about that? Okay, so um, it is um, a little controversial as well, but there is um, a small percentage of women that, um, and they don't really know if it's stemming from endometriosis or because your body can, for instance, divide cells very actively and cause so much of an inflammatory response, that is that person more prone to, to have that happen with their ovaries. Okay. So they don't see a direct link with endometriosis and ovarian cancer, but they think that a woman can have a slight increase in the propensity to develop that reproductive cancer. Wonderful. Uh, Thanks yeah. for bringing that down. And I will do a quick plug. I did a, a hashtag cancer sucks ovarian cancer show back on my website. Check it out, www.drgomez.com. Great time talking about that. Uh, I want to just add that, uh, of course, statistically, ovarian cancer, I mean, we know it's real, but it's not a um, extremely common cancer yeah. uh, that affects women out there. So thank you for clarifying that. And I'll do this last one. Here we go. Is it true that endometriosis is often called, quote, an invisible illness that can have severe consequences? Uh, and I will say this, um, endometriosis can definitely have severe consequences. So when you think about, like, the invisible illness and going back to that psychological type question, this can lead to severe mental health challenges, um, uh, depression, uh, anxiety, uh, thoughts of suicide. I mean, there's a lot of impacts that can happen with endometriosis. That's why it's so important to, to be comfortable, talk with your doctor, find a good doctor. If you don't have a good doctor, find a good doctor, please. Mm -hmm. To somebody that you're comfortable with to talk about these things. We don't want people to have these symptoms and this illness that's been brewing up inside and not taking action. Somebody will be there. And I'm a big believer, and we were talking a little bit before getting on air, that I'm a big believer in having behavioral health involved. We yeah, talked absolutely. about that. Um, out of curiosity, I'm going to send this one off that one. Do you see the use of, of mental health services with your patients that have endometriosis? Um, there are, you know, I, I have seen some women who actually get medicated as opposed to more of the behavioral health part. Okay. So I, it would be nice to tie the two together because truly some people do need medication. But I do think that tying it in with some therapy is very helpful because most of the time it's, it is a lifestyle problem. They don't feel like they can function. They don't feel normal. They don't. They feel that they are trapped in this whole chronic pain syndrome, and they can't function like normal people. Well, wonderful. Thanks for breaking that down for me. There you go. Is it true that? There we go. That was awesome. So um, keeping this cycle going, uh, I do want to get into myths versus facts in a few moments, but I just want to just pause for a moment again. Uh, you know, first of all, I love how we're just talking about this, but again, the message that we're certainly saying today is there's this message of opportunity as we're celebrating it in the Awareness Month. Again, what we talk about today cannot be just 
talked about today. We have to share. The best thing you can do is share this on social media, mm -hmm. get the message out, get the engagement going on, and don't be afraid to talk to your doctor. Um, we're going to talk about our mothers, our sisters, our daughters, our wives. We want to make sure that they have every opportunity for health success, without a doubt. So I want to get into myths versus facts, because, okay. hey, we just kind of, is, <laughs> is it true? We sort of already just did myths versus facts, right, didn't we, though? Right. But that's right. I have two distinct sections, y'all, so that's good. So we're going to get into some myths versus facts. Those of you that are that have been following me on Tear Health with Dr. G, you guys are used to doing this every week, uh, where, we, again, we're all about setting the record straight, building trust and delivering truth. There's a lot of misinformation out there about health. We already just talked about it a little bit, um, where what my is a true section, but we want to get into a few more things that are, that are different from this. We want to set the record straight. We want you to get your information from vetted resources. We want it from credentialed people. And, I, and for me as a doc, and I'm so honored that you're here today, Dr. Derry, because I, I know that I can trust you with my patients, but I can trust you also for your knowledge, that you've seen it. You, you, you've treated patients yourself. You've done the, done the requisite uh, education, the credentials, to really be an expert on this topic. So I just love how we're just doing this. So thank you again. All right, so here we go. How Miss versus Facts work. This is living with endometriosis. I say a statement. Now, I might pick on Dr. Derry a little bit more, but I still might participate. <laughs> okay. Hey, this is the most participation I've ever done on Miss versus Facts, or even is it true on this whole show. So right. it's absolutely true. Uh, but uh, let's keep this going on. So same thing. I'm going to say a statement. Um, and uh, it's going to be either myth or fact, kind of the same thing afterwards. If it's a myth or a fact, tell us why it is. Mm -hmm. We'll kind of go through some of these and have a little fun as well, too. So here we go. Living with endometriosis, myths versus facts. Here we go. Dr. Kim Derry, first statement. Uh, having a uterus is not a prerequisite for having endometriosis, and removing the uterus is not a cure. Hmm. Well, uh, so that is a myth. Uh, and the reason why is even with removing a uterus, we just talked about the nature of the disease is that it's scattered outside of the uterus. Right. So there may still be implants. And of some women, it's, it's not that many, but there are some women that still suffer from uh, endometrial pain and discomfort and chronic pain even after getting a hysterectomy if their ovaries are still there. Mm -hmm. Now, so that's where we get into what type of, you know, procedures that someone has had, but the implants are outside of the uterus. And then let me, let me follow up with that one, and then you can still try to hone in and treat that individual, correct? Yes, absolutely, and what they have found is that once the uterus is removed, then um, some light hormonal therapy does work really well for those women, and they, so even as, like, postmenopausal women who may still have some implants somewhere, they may not want to undergo surgery anymore, but they can get some light hormonal therapy, and they really are doing really well. Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Mm -hmm. Derry. Here we go. Miss versus facts. I'll take this one. Why not? I got an easy one again. Loud balls. Here we go. <laughs> Underhand pitches. Here we go. Here's a statement. Endometriosis is one of the top causes of infertility. While treatment options exist, it remains to be one of the least treated. I will say that is true. Endometriosis is a very one of the top causes of, of infertility out there. And it's true that treatment options do exist, but we're not treating enough. And this goes back to the to, to the little bit of disparity. We know about the condition, but we're having trouble you know, diagnosing people earlier in the process, and hence we're delaying treatment ourselves. We want to try to flip the script and get as many people diagnosed earlier in the process because treatment options, viable treatment options that Dr. Derry already uh, talked about do exist. Mm -hmm. All right, here we go, Dr. Derry. I like this one. Uh, oh, I like this one. Only career women who delay childbearing get endometriosis. Myth or fact? Total myth. Please explain. <laughs> I think because 
it is diagnosed in our 30s and 40s that a lot of women who may be career women is sort of like a like a coincidental situation where you have career women who may have held off childbearing until their 30s and 40s they get diagnosed with that endometriosis so they think that that's the reason why so totally false all right thank you very much that's, <laughs> hey i love it how you broke it down here we go uh i'll take this one uh myth or fact if medical therapy doesn't control the problem surgery can be performed that's an easy one that is a fact mm -hmm. uh so there are different options that are out there that dr dr derry thoroughly discussed but it's going to be a personal decision between you and your treating physician they're going to come up with a way to customize your approach if the medication options don't work then there are surgical options mm -hmm. but that's a discussion between you and your physician the first most important thing is to have that discussion mm -hmm. here we go dr derry i like this one on average it takes six to ten years from onset of symptoms to get a diagnosis, myth or fact, regarding endometriosis? Well, um... And by the way, I arbitrarily picked six to ten years. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, what, <laughs> what I will say about that is people may feel that on their journey it has been six okay. to ten years gotcha. because so many people have told them different things and they may not be very confused about what their diagnosis is. But that's totally false. Excellent. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, just, I just picked the number. I was like doing these questions. I'm like, oh, I'm going to pick number six to ten years. There we go. Yeah, it sounds no. pretty good. All right. So thank you, Dr. Terry, for bringing that one. All right. Uh, here's a statement. I'll do this one um, regarding endometriosis. You can only get it in your pelvis. Uh, that we already talked about earlier. That is a that is a that is a myth. Endometriosis can actually affect other organs. Uh, we, again, we think about a lot of the pelvic organs, certainly the reproductive organs outside the uterus itself. But um, bladder can you can have implants on the bladder, implants on the bowel, and certainly have corresponding symptoms there. So uh, so it can actually get into the abdomen a little bit higher up as well. All right, here we go. I like this one, uh, Dr. Kim Derry. Here we go. All right, here's a statement. Uh, a great deal of women with endometriosis experience tremendous pain before, during, and after their periods. That is true. Please explain. So, um, once again, uh, we have women that, um, you know, if the implants are really uh, inf inflamed, it can cause a lot of bothersome scar tissue, which can actually you know, erupt any part of the month. It doesn't have to necessarily be during the periods. All right, so wonderful. that totally can happen. Wonderful. Thank mm -hmm. you very much. All right. So there you go. That's myths versus facts, y'all. This is great. So thank you very much. So what I want to do with the time remaining, again, I want to continue to plug the fact that, again, this is Endometriosis Awareness Month, and we've been having a great show talking about this topic. Uh, the best thing, again, as I said multiple times during this hour, and certainly Dr. Derry said it too, is make sure you get screened and make sure you see your doctor. Uh, so what I want to do, Dr. Derry, is this. You know, I call it at the beginning the chief complaint when somebody comes into the office, they come for a reason. At the end of the day, after we're done seeing our patient, we call it the assessment and plan. And the assessment plan, of course, is when we render a diagnosis, a treatment plan, and most importantly, a follow-up. So, uh, Dr. Derry, give us a couple take-home points as we get ready to kind of close down today. But give us a couple take-home points for people out there about this topic. Why should we have this, why should we create this urgency on this topic today? Well, I think because a lot of people have been misdiagnosed. They've been told early in their lives that they have endometriosis just because they have cramps. I think that going to a good conscientious physician that is that it is um, has specialty in gynecology or pediatric gynecology if it's a teenager. Um, even though regular gynecologists do, we primarily deal with a lot of teenagers as well. But either way, um, getting getting a relationship with a, a doctor that is invested in your care, who's invested in you, who wants to uh, really improve your quality of life, uh, 
Um, people don't, you know, we're in a society now where we don't want to take pills. We don't want to take medicine. I want to treat this holistically. I don't want these, you know, I want to go to a natural approach. And those things are great. Uh, and if it works for you, fantastic. However, we do have some good treatments for those that uh, fail those treatments. And so I just don't want people to be afraid to accept some things. Uh, your body is functioning in a way that is causing a lot of stress and, and anxiety for a lot, a lot of folks that can't function. Uh, but just open, be open to that. Uh, if it's a woman who is experiencing infertility, it doesn't mean you have endometriosis, but it just means you need to get worked up and find out what's going on. I mean, at the end of the day, we are all here to have everyone have a wonderful life. But if you don't have that consistent care, if you bounce from this doctor to that doctor to this place to that place, it's very hard to put the story together. So part of just making sure that you have like a good, solid team of people that are invested in your care, you're going to have an increased quality of life. If you need some mental health on top of that, whether it's your own personal yoga or um, dealing with some, some pelvic uh, stretching or whatever, uh, it really works out well. Um, but just be invested in yourself. Don't suffer. Life is to be enjoyed. It is not to be suffering. It is not to suffer. So uh, seek help, and if that person's not invested in your care, then find someone who will be. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Dr. Derry. I'm going to give you guys kind of my final thoughts. My final thoughts are this. Again, we don't have to continue to suffer. Uh, there's so much opportunity out there, and we want women out there as we're celebrating this month and creating more awareness to have the opportunity to do as best they possibly can with their health and their well-being. As a physician, I only want the best for you, and I'm going to continue to fight for the best for you. I want to make sure that you have all the treatment options on the table. I want to be as transparent as possible about the options that are there for the taking, and I want to help hopefully bridge any kind of gaps or reduce any barriers when it comes to this diagnosis of endometriosis. At the end, of course, you're going to be seen by your specialist, and that's the most important thing I can tell you, is that your OBGYN physician is really going to help you out. Now, your primary care physician might start the process, but your OBGYN physician is going to really help take you across that board. And I love the idea of being prepared. For those of you out there who have symptoms, have a plan. It's okay. If you're going to miss work, if you know, like you know it's that time of the month that's going to happen, be prepared. Have your spouse uh, do something for you. Or if you're in school, have a classmate, have a friend, maybe take notes in class. Uh, or see if maybe you can get your homework early. If you're at work and you're, in the, and you're a career person, you know, see what you can do early. But it's okay to have a plan to prepare ahead. And again, if we, if we prepare more, we're going to be more able to take the next steps to restore the balance in our lives. At the end of the day, we want you to have health at all costs. And again, the best thing that you can do today is share this show and talk about the opportunity out there for everyone else. So I want to thank my guest, Dr. Kim Derry. I got to read her credentials again because her credentials run deep, <laughs> no doubt. Dr. Kim Derry, it's just been such a great pleasure having you here on the show again. I know we got we to connect again. There's no doubt. We got a good vibe going on. I love it. We got to talk about it again. There's so many topics that I want to pick your brain on. Mm -hmm. And I just love doing this stuff. And so I'm just so grateful for you to come out today, take time out of your schedule and just help us spread a message. So thank you, Dr. Kim Derry, MD, FACOG, board certified obstetrician and gynecologist, medical director, obstetrics, Elmer's Hospital, Edward Elmer's Health. Check her out, www.eehealth.org. Hey, you've been listening and watching live on Facebook and intellectualradio.com. This episode is written by Mark D. Gomez, MD, and Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Producer is Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Music is by the wonderful Mr. Havis. Copyright 2020 by MDG Wellness LLC. All rights reserved. Hey, everybody, stay tuned for my next episode next week. 
optimizing preoperative risk. Again, if you enjoyed today's show, share it. Again, check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. I'll check you all out later. Have a great day, and peace out. <laughs>